Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hi, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. <laughs> Who's that in the studio? Greg. <laughs> I'm Greg, a deep-voiced stranger who stumbled into your house because I'm very drunk. <laughs> Greg, with that red suit and that white beard, I it's thought maybe... The well, beard is nothing. It's out of my control. And the red suit's my drunk suit. I wear it for comfort. Oh, and I bet you're wondering what's in my big bag. It's oh. full of toys <laughs> for children. <laughs> now I understand the confusion. Can I use your John? <laughs> I'd rather you didn't. Santa Greg I'd rather you didn't because I don't know what you're going to do in there the last time we allowed a stranger to use our John oh my gosh that really happened it really did happen and it was a real bad day for us it ruined Christmas it probably wasn't on Christmas we never got to the bottom of that mystery either no but they got to the bottom of our fucking toilet you know you say that but whatever they did they cleaned up this is a really crude introduction <laughs> for what is essentially going to be our our, our Christmas episode. Uh, so real quick, we're not going to have an episode out next week. We are traveling for the holidays. We're going back to Huntington. It's Henry's first time to the great and beautiful state of West Virginia. And I'm so excited to take him there. But we are going to be traveling for a long time, and we're not going to have time to, to get an episode out next week. So this is going to be our Christmas episode, and we hope that you enjoy it. We don't really have a format, per se, as much as we had for our Thanksgiving one. I want you to talk about oh what Christmas was like in the McElroy household very quickly. Yeah, I mean, it was dope. Like, it was really great. Our family was, like, really, really great growing up. I had a very good family growing up, and we were all very loving and very uh, caring. And so for Christmas, we got that, like, usual sort of commercial stuff where I got so psyched out of my mind for Christmas presents um we we were not i think like remotely spoiled kids at all like we i i never just like got random stuff and i feel like i've talked about this on the show before um and except for on justin and travis's birthday right but that was a birthday present it just wasn't there it wasn't my birthday and i didn't get a present um and so like christmas was great for that reason because it was like oh shit a bunch of toys and video games like video games are super expensive and like, I didn't have any money. I was a little kid. And so that was the time that I got video games. And I just sit around and play new video games, like, for a few weeks. These new video games that I just, like, cherish. And it was so, your, so exciting. Your Christmas Eve walk. And so, yeah, that's the other thing is that in addition to, like, that thing that I got, like, my my crass child heart got very excited for, uh, we would we had so many traditions, including a Christmas Eve walk, which we still do, where me and my brothers and my dad would just walk around the block a few times and talk about the year. Uh, and talk about what kind of year we had and what we had hopes for for the next year. And um, I didn't realize how long this tradition had gone on. I knew that it was happening when I met Griffin, but I was watching some of his old home movies, and there is footage of them all bundled up as kids getting ready to go on the Real walk. cute, real cute stuff. It's you think really that nice was just like do. peace of mind for your mom? Like, get these kids out of the house. Maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, good, it's a really nice thing to do. Yeah. Um, last year was a bit, I imagine this year's walk too will be a bit harrowing. Like, let's break down the year. Oh, fuck. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a really nice tradition. And then like, we just, I don't know, we loved each other so much and we love each other so much. And, and so like getting together for, for Christmas is always so, so great. We'd have cinnamon and orange rolls on Christmas morning. Yeah, I was going to say, you've got Christmas foods too. That's really it. Justin's on this uh, like great British baking show, like 
tip now where uh, on Christmas he, he likes to have a big, uh, big sort of British style luncheon or dinner with a, a lot of, uh, you know, different puddings, mostly it's sort of a, a pudding based sort of affair. Um, but yeah, like we go so hard on Christmas and I look forward to it so much. And as a, as a kid, it was literally the like, uh, like center, like the arc stone, like the counterweight of my entire year upon which the entire year was sort of based. Yeah. Um, what about you? What did, I, I know you guys didn't go quite as hard. Yeah. So my family's a little different, partially because we're, we're small, you know, it's, it's just me and my parents. I don't have any siblings. And then also, the kind of the bulk of the family comes on my mom's size. Um, my mom is one of six. Um, and all of her brothers and sisters live in the Missouri, Illinois area. So that used to be kind of our tradition was right. we would have our little Christmas at home or Christmas day, we'd wake up, open presents. Was it, is it, was it always as intense as that one Thanksgiving I went to where like the whole damn family rolled up and filled up the entire house? Much bigger, actually. Whoa, damn. Yeah, okay. much bigger. Um, because then we would go to my mom's mom's house. Um, or as, as we got older, one of my aunts or uncle's house. Uh, and I had a lot of cousins that were very close to my age. So Christmas was just, it, it wasn't like everybody sat around and took turns opening presents. It was like throughout the day, you would have people come up to you and hand you things. Oh, that's great too. <laughs> it was just kind of a, a free for all. Uh, and that it was just like you had to catch the kids as they were throughout the house and hand them a present. And then so it's usually, like a fun Easter egg hunt for the, a, ch- a child <laughs> yeah. hunt for the adults. Usually they would sit down wherever they were, open the present, and then go back to playing. So it was it was definitely fun. Although as as we got older and all those Not kids grew up, yeah. Christmas got smaller and smaller, and then it, it became um, it became less about presents and more just about eating a lot of food. Hey, ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, you want to get into it? I think you start this week. Oh, okay. If you feel comfortable, if the spirit's moving you in that direction, the good Christmas spirit. Yeah, I would say so. The um, whole, the Holy Spirit, maybe. I feel like these aren't going to be a surprise to Griffin. That's uh, fine. I'm not the only one that listens to the show. Hopefully, hopefully they'll be. I, I tried to pick some that weren't as classic maybe so we could potentially have some listeners rachel talked to me she's like what if we just do like deep deep cuts and i was like all right fucking i feel like every podcast has a christmas show and i wanted to bring something kind of i mean your charm your wit your your luscious voice like you're bringing a lot to the table thank you griffin luscious was a bad yeah that was very mellifluous that's a word yeah it sounds a little bit like Sounds bad. Mellifluous sounds bad. Maleficent, who was yeah. the villain in Sleeping Beauty, I want to say, and in um, the Snow, the Snow White uh, and the Huntsman. Oh, maybe it was, <laughs> maybe it was Snow White. No, I think you're right. You think it's Sleeping Beauty? Yeah. Okay. I've played the Kingdom Hearts games. <laughs> What's your thing? Arthur Christmas. Arthur Christmas is a great little flick. Griffin and I just discovered this a couple years ago, which isn't that. Uh, unique because it came out in 2011 yes so it's actually it came out since we got together it's fairly new there man it's been a while since there's been like a like a christmas jam huh like elf came out and people like okay this one's going in the you know library of congress arthur christmas is a really great one 
obviously Fred Claus. Like you, like you, it's not Christmas without Fred mm-hmm. Claus. And I have that tattooed on my neck. And now the Christmas Prince. Christmas Prince has stepped in here and filled up. Thank you, baby, for reminding me of Christmas Prince and Christmas Inheritance. Netflix has just decided, like, hey, by the way, we're Hallmark now. Like, we've already, we've become Marvel and we've become AMC. And now we're also Hallmark. Please enjoy The Christmas Prince. Yeah. Arthur Christmas came out in 2011. It is a production uh, in partnership with Sony Pictures and Ardman Animation. Talk about Ardman because you you sort of turned me on I'm to I'm a big Ardman, Ardman fan. So I, um, gosh, I'm maybe middle school. I know early high school. Became a big Wallace and Gromit fan. Uh, so Ardman kind of got its start in claymation and then turned to animation. Uh, They're still doing claymation. They have a new feature that I saw a trailer for before Star Wars. Um, And it's, I forget what it's called, but it's about like people in the Stone Age battling against people from the Bronze Age. Oh, that's kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, So I I really like Wallace and Gromit. I like Ardman stuff. They also did like Chicken Run, which is a more recent thing. Um, I think their first 3D animated feature was Flushed Away, I want to say. Yeah, that's right. Which is about a mouse that goes on a toilet adventure. (laughs) I haven't seen that one. How wondrous. I have to imagine it's better than... What a magical journey into the toilet. (laughs) And how many poo-poo jokes do you think they do? Probably like seven. Yeah, that's probably why I haven't seen it. Uh, So Arthur Christmas set on Christmas night. The film tells a story about Santa Claus's clumsy son, Arthur Claus, who discovers that the Santa's high-tech ship has failed to deliver one girl's present. Uh, And so he sets out to go on a mission to save her Christmas. And it's such notable voices as Hugh Laurie. Uh, Bill Nye? I never know how to say it. it. Yes, you've you've done it perfectly. Okay, good. Uh, You know who else is in it? Eva Longoria? Yeah. Laura Linney? Hey! Uh, and it's who plays fantastic. I don't think you said who plays Arthur Christmas. Oh, uh, James McAvoy. Oh yeah. I don't know him super well, so I didn't really he know. He plays young professor, like sexy professor X in the X-Men oh, movies. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think he was in atonement. That was my Halloween costume one year. Sexy professor. <laughs> um, yeah. What I really like about it is like the first like half of the movie, maybe a bit less it goes into like this wild like fictional version of explaining the logistics of the Santa Claus yeah. present delivery operation so it's really modernized so there's this idea that um santas or well so there's several santas there's, there's many santas there's grand santa who's played by bill nye who's 136 years old and has since retired to uh his son malcolm uh who is older and being uh, seceded by uh, Steve Claus, who is the eldest son and and very, and that's Hugh Laurie, and very technologically savvy. And so the whole Christmas operation is done in this high-tech way. So there's this struggle between the three of them where, Santa, yeah. where Grandpa Claus is like old school, like we just had the one wooden sleigh and the reindeer. Yeah. And then it keeps modernizing, and so it's like a... a, a conversation about like modernizing the process of delivering presents to uh children in a world where population has increased so drastically i don't know i think it's so clever and so like 
so so interesting. A lot of movies like ta- a lot of Christmas movies like tackle that idea, and this is by far the most thorough of like here's how it happens. Yeah, here's the technology we use. Here's the magic we use. I, I found it very charming. But then in, in that picture is Arthur Christmas, who's like nobody. He's like not in the chain of command really at all yeah he he handles as i recall he handles all the santa letters all the letters to santa uh but he has not been tasked with the big santa claus responsibilities but um, it's so charming his quest so charming. his quest to save christmas for just this one person which is not really like a uh i don't know not really a, a storyline that i feel like a lot of christmas movies go for where it's just like the, the whole idea is that he everybody else has looked at this you know, they've delivered presents to several billion children and say, like, it was a success, right? This one child is a, a statistical anomaly. Nothing to even worry about. But it it is something to worry about because that one little girl's going to have a bad yeah. Christmas. And so Arthur Christmas, like, takes it on himself to... to... It's actually Arthur Claus. The movie's called Arthur Christmas. Well, I'll, I'll <laughs> edit it in post. Okay. I have this software where I can change words to sound like other words. Mm-hmm. So and all the time... it just times... has every word in your voice uh-huh. ready to go. And so you know how I say uh, fudge so much on the podcast? Mm-hmm. This software sometimes takes a mind of its own. It makes it the bad, the bad one. Oh, no. Yeah, it's a really yucky toilet word. And I would never say it with my real mouth but every time i say fuck it changes it to you know what um so yeah so it, this has a 92 percent on rotten tomatoes it's not just me that's a big it's fan. really good i don't it's know a very good t- movie i i evangelize it a lot and i feel like it sounds so cornball it's hard to find we ended up just buying it because uh it's not usually i don't think it's available. streamable anyway. yeah you have to rent it it's 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 just like a really interesting uh I don't know. There's it builds this genuinely great family dynamic between the different clauses, like a, a mm-hmm. genuinely great one, uh, and and also sort of talks about the differences between generations and how that relates to um, like technology and how we recognize the holidays and like what's important and what's special to us. It does it in a really like a way that like you would not exactly expect from an animated feature film from the robot pants studio (laughs) yeah and it gets it gets to kind of the whole initial idea behind christmas you know i think part of why i like the christ child well no not that part but uh this idea that it's 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 not this wide blanket of like everybody has to get this many presents at this time um just to fulfill the christmas objective it's more about like kind of the the magical experience that little kids have and making sure that everybody gets yeah. that it's god really it makes nice. it the ending makes me cry every time i know me too it's so sweet it's it is such sweet. a good un, un, unappreciated gem it's i would rank it probably second behind christmas prince actually third behind christmas <laughs> prince and christmas inheritance christmas prince is so buck wild i cannot stress it enough i so there's there's a kind of bad it's on, it's on netflix now it just came yes. out there's a kind of bad movie that I enjoy. Uh, this was not that for me. Oh, I loved it. I loved every frame of it. <laughs> There's a scene where the Christmas, the titular Christmas prince is uh, the the this woman is a journalist, but she sneaks into this castle uh, pretending to be a tutor for a young a young girl in the castle and falls in love with the Christmas prince. And there's a scene where her and the little girl are looking out the window of the the girl's bedroom. Uh, looking at the Christmas Prince as he's practicing archery, and it sets up like the next scene where they shoot a bow and arrow, and of course she does a silly bad job 
But it, while they're looking at him do archery, he's shooting like a bow at a target that is probably <laughs> six feet away from him, and it's the fucking funniest thing I've I've seen in a very long time. Yeah, I had a fun time imagining kind of how they started filming that because I imagine the actor, in like an effort to be a real professional, tried to learn to shoot a bow and arrow himself, yeah. and they just kept moving that target closer and closer and closer. They also try to set up this like mystery with a twist ending close to the yeah. end that like ties up all the plot lines. <laughs> And it is the silliest, easiest to solve puzzle. Yes. Um, yeah, it's it's a lot. Uh, but it's a, it's enjoyable if you like the Hallmark sort of milieu. Any other Christmas movies that we're talking about? I guess not. I, guess I think we, we should we should keep it going. Save it for 2018. Um, I want to talk about something. It's very specific. Okay. The thing I have brought is the three-note horn stinger in the chorus of Donny Hathaway's This Christmas. <laughs> the whole song is great. The three-note horn sort of stab right there in the middle of that chorus is one of the best fucking things I've ever heard in a Christmas song. This is one of my favorite Christmas songs ever, and this is the thing that kind of, like, makes it. Um, I'm going to just play a little bit. I'm going to play that stinger just so folks yes. know what the hell I'm talking about. If you've not heard this song, go listen to Donny Hathaway's This Christmas. Uh, but if you don't want to go listen to the whole thing, here's a little bit of it with that horn and just listen. The fireside is blazing bright. We're caroling through the night. And this Christmas will be a very special Christmas. so good this christmas is one of my favorite holiday songs because it, it kind of subverts the expected holiday song formula um and a lot of that is in like the tone of the song it is in a lot of ways just kind of a love song that takes place at christmas uh it is a song about him sort of being in love with this other person and his excitement for that love making him think like this is gonna be a great christmas um and it's it what, what i what i also love about it is that it's not about how great Christmas is, it is specifically about how great this Christmas is going to be, hence the name of the song. And that that may sound like a silly distinction, but it's really powerful. Um, the chorus goes, uh, and this Christmas will be a very special Christmas for me. Like, he's saying, like, this is, I'm going to make this Christmas be a good Christmas, and it's going to be a good Christmas because I'm in love with you, and that's so exciting. It's the perfect hype song. Like, I I can hear a lot of Christmas music and kind of you know, feel a little bit of the spirit, but this one is like looking forward to Christmas and yeah. it like gets you really, gets you really excited. A lot of songs are, it's, it's weird because a lot of songs are the subject of what you get excited about for Christmas, right? Like, uh, you know, Frosty the Snowman, you hear that song and you, it, it's supposed to get you excited for Christmas because it is inextricably linked from being a Christmas thing. Like it's Christmas. So I hear Frosty. This one is about like, what it is like to be excited for Christmas. And I think that that's like a, a different thing in entirely. Um, so this Christmas was released as a single in 1970 and it didn't find like hardly any success at all. Um, and it wouldn't until long after, uh, Donny Hathaway's death in 1979. Um, a few different artists covered it in the years after it was released, including The Temptations, uh, Gladys Knight and the Pips. 
Uh, and Patty LaBelle, who have you seen the video <laughs> yes. of Patty LaBelle? Yes. Uh, it is the 1996 White House tree lighting ceremony. And uh, Patty LaBelle gets up there to do a performance of This Christmas, which she had just released in uh, her own Christmas album. Oh, wait, that- have I seen this? Maybe. I don't know. Okay. Uh, she put out a Christmas album called This Christmas that had This Christmas on it. And she went on the, the tree lighting ceremony in 1996. And they didn't have the words for her. They're supposed to be like a, a okay, teleprompter with the words yeah. on it. And they didn't have it. Uh, and she didn't like know a lot of the words. If By the way, if you think this is leading up to me making fun of Patti LaBelle in any way, you are fucking out of your mind because she gets a little bit lost a bit in the beginning. She says, like, where's my backup singers? Uh, trying to get the backup singers to step in and maybe help out. And she tries to get the audience to sing along with her. Then she just mostly vamps for like <laughs> yes. two and a half minutes. And it is still that the is, best so shit good. ever. Uh, go look up Patti LaBelle this Christmas. No, she never gives lighting. up. She, she doesn't. She yeah. is such a fucking professional. Uh, <laughs> Diana Ross also did a recording in 1974 that was uh, not released uh, until much, much later in a uh, Motown Records compilation. Uh, but in 1991, it was included uh, the the uh, record label, which I don't remember the name of. I didn't write it down. Uh, the record label that put out this Christmas put out this, uh, I think it was called Soul Christmas, this uh, collection uh, of of soul Christmas songs, and it included this Christmas. And after that, like, it exploded, and everybody covered it. Uh, Gloria Estefan, Usher, uh, Christina Aguilera, um, Destiny's Child, Chicago, Harry Connick Jr., Aretha Franklin, uh, CeeLo Green, Lady Antebellum, Pentatonix. Uh, Seal went to number one on the Billboard charts with this Christmas. It only started became like this this Christmas classic after it had been covered and covered and covered and covered by like everybody and now it is like widely recognized as as it should be a a Christmas classic it is a absolute jam um so it's a great song but like i want to specifically talk about those three notes because they are <laughs> they are inexplicable and if you want to talk about like music theory and talk about like a lot of uh y- you don't get this a lot in christmas music where a way that uh, musicians and composers like get emotional effect out of their music is by adding unexpected elements to the song, unanticipated elements of the song that surprise you. And that surprise comes in a lot of ways. And so in a lot of Christmas music, it's all major key, um, except for like, what are some minor key Christmas songs? Like, uh, Oh, come, Oh, come Emmanuel. I think, uh, I think is, is one of them. There's not a lot. Right. But here in the middle of this, like amazing, upbeat holiday song about love and the expectation of christmas comes this wild horn stab this minor chord run uh that happens right after he says the title of the song and it happens in a way that almost sounds like suspenseful yeah exactly it's christmas whoa (laughs) yeah yeah like the villain has just entered the room but it's so iconic like i can't when i think of this christmas i think that's a great song and oh shit those three notes hit so fucking hard every single time it is and i don't know why it's in the song right like the song would still be great even without it but with it it's like it's just this little like this little like piece of salt on the candy and you eat it, and you're like, whoa, what was it? whoa, and it makes it taste better. That is such a good analogy, Griffin. Thank you. I, I don't know. I talk about this all the time whenever I talk about music on this show, which is how wonderful it is when the smallest parts of songs can define them and yeah. establish the mood for the whole song using just a few notes. And this Christmas hits you with that 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 stab in the middle, and it just makes the whole it just makes the whole thing, and it makes it like just a really really powerful chorus. 
and I love it so much. And this Christmas will be a very special Christmas for me. Yeah. Uh, should we steal me away? I don't know why I constructed it like that, but I have an idea, but I have to go leave the room and come back to do it. Have you been planning this or? No, I just, I have an idea. All right. Uh, what if she comes back in and she's got a puppy? Oh, that's fun. Are you ready? Yeah. Whoa. Why when you do it, you always do it so <laughs> Look at the sound. Look at the waveforms. I know, I see. Look at the waveforms. How so loud. I was so excited. No, I know this. You've, you've, you just hit me with like a Dragon Ball Z blast of spirit. <laughs> just a, a, a big Kamehameha wave of spirit just shot through my chest and back through. We have a big hole in our house. Our, our house is a smoking <laughs> crater of Christmas spirit right now. I am decimated by the holiday spirit. Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? (laughs) It's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. (laughs) Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, There's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? (laughs) Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, that I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Styles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell uh your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in wow the yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain okay this message is 
to talk about the Love and Luck podcast. Go to loveandluckpodcast.com for more information. Love and Luck is a queer love story with a touch of magic told via voicemails. Set in the LGBT community in Melbourne, Australia, Love and Luck is for people who like healthy relationships and happy endings. Short episodes are released weekly on Tuesdays. There are also episodes available on YouTube with full hand-coded captions. That's loveandluckpodcast.com. That sounds fucking great. That is also such a good idea for a podcast. It is really like good. Like found the footage, voicemail yeah. stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. That's such a good idea. I'm going to get it. And Australia, too. And Australia, so you know the, the no hate. The voices are going to be so good. I love <laughs> Australia. I love, I love all accents equally. I don't have a favorite, including the American accent. So you know I mean it. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? <laughs> I'm trying to cover my bases, I guess. Um, this next message is for their little brother, Ross, future pharmacist. It is from Sarah in Japan. Kiddo, I just wanted to tell you how proud I am of you. You're such a kind, thoughtful, and overall wonderful dude, and soon you'll also be a doctor. Hang in there, Cabe. You're kicking pharmacy school's ass. All my love to you, Katie, and your pups and kitties. Aww. That is a sweet message. Good luck slinging those pills. Make sure that you put the three red pills on top of the red virus. It's the only way to beat the diseases. That was a Dr. Mario joke. Oh, and I now it was I, a pandemic reference. That also, and I just want to be honest, I don't know that much about diseases or medicine outside of Dr. Mario or pandemic. And so that's my main thing. And thank you for doing what you do, or else I would die from not having medicine. And great job. Are stacks of unread books taking over your apartment? Do you constantly miss your train stop because you're caught up in reading? I'm Bria Grant. And I'm Mallory O'Mara. We party hard. And by party hard, we mean read books. So join us every Thursday on Reading Glasses, a maximum fun podcast about reading and book culture. Get more out of your reading life. We'll help you conquer your to-be-read pile. Get out of that book slump. And squeeze more reading time into your busy day. Learn, Learn how, how to read, read better. better. Wow, that was good. <laughs> Okay, do you want my second thing? More than the air that I breathe. Wow. All right. <laughs> so if I don't say it. I'll die from not breathing. That's terrible. Yeah, ruin Christmas, I hope. Probably not. You can probably just go and open all the presents by yourself anyway, including my presents. You just want my presents, don't you? That's what this whole damn plan was about. So what's your second thing? <laughs> my second thing is another song actually it is have yourself a merry little christmas in the movie meet me you in St. Louis. said that so cute and I, <laughs> I don't I'm, and i'm not saying it in like a diminutive way but you were just like merry little christmas <laughs> and it really it really it's my midwestern twang and this movie's just chock full of midwestern twang it's very true i'm jody garland <laughs> yeehaw that's not what people in the midwest <laughs> i don't own that okay i'm not gonna stand in that because i don't own that uh this is a very pretty song from a very nice movie can you tell me everything about it please <laughs> uh so griffin and i have had lots of conversations before just when we're sitting around uh the fireplace about what our favorite christmas songs are and this one's always like top two, three for me. Um, I get it confused with I'll Be Home for Christmas, which is a different one. <laughs> and also a Jonathan Taylor Jonathan Thomas Taylor movie. Thomas. Yeah. And do you think that maybe we could do a quick pivot 
And just talk about the Jonathan Taylor Thomas movie, I'll Be Home for Christmas. Have you watched that all the way through? Fuck yeah, dude. JTT. So have yourself a merry go old Christmas, though. Is not Jonathan, was was Jonathan involved with this one? No. Okay. No, it was significantly before his time. He's actually Uh, a time lord. You know, I can see that, actually. That explains why we haven't seen him lately, is that he's doing lots of uh, time adventures. Time adventures with his companion friend, Mm -hmm. who is Zachary Ty Bryant. Um, so can you walk people into what Meet Me in St. Louis, I, which it's hard to say it like that because this, there's a very prominent song in it that's Meet Me in St. Louis, Louis. And that, that, uh, clang, clang, clang with, with the, the trolley. trolley. Isn't there a trolley accident in the movie? Isn't there a horrific, horrific trolley accident? Well, they say, yes, they say streetcar, I think, in that example. Okay. Which I assume is the same thing, but part of me wonders if there's a very slight difference between streetcars and trolleys. Probably not. Probably but not. There's a streetcar accident, <laughs> and, then, and then it's a streetcar named on fire. So the movie, the movie is about this, this family of uh, three daughters. Their dad is a, a businessman. He, uh, they all live in St. Louis. It's about to be the 1904, I believe, World's Fair in St. Louis. St. Louis is kind of like the, the height of the country at that That's point. That's where the toilet was first introduced. Did you do some research? No, baby, because what I just said is buck wild. <laughs> <laughs> and, but so the movie Meet Me in St. Louis actually came out in 1944, but it's set in this time period where St. Louis is kind of the happening place to be. And it's musical, and everybody's singing about love and St. Louis, and then the dad is going to be transferred, and so then the movie kind of takes a turn, and they're all going to move, and they don't want to leave St. Louis, but... No. Hey, can I ask you something? Yeah. Does it trip you out at all when old movies are set in even older times than when the movies came out? (laughs) There is a part of my... A caveman brain, or it's like, what this movie's in the wait. 1904 World's Fair, and I'm like, what whoa, this an- movie came out in 1904, but I, it didn't. What is an old movie to you, out of curiosity? Anything before Wayne's World, more or less. <laughs> you know, do you know what I mean, though? Like, I, I, don't, I don't know that I have the sort of historical underpinnings required to be able to differentiate. This was a movie that people made in 1944 where they were like, you know, it'd be a real hoot. What if we did a movie set in the olden days, which to them was 1904. But to me, 1944 is still wicked olden days. Same with like, um, uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Like, I have no idea when that movie was made, but it was sometime in the first probably four decades of the 20th century. Anyway, so... <laughs> um. So did you like, what about when it's an old story, but it's modernized, like uh, Romeo and Juliet? I don't understand. Like, oh, no, that's, are you asking me if I liked the Leonardo, <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio version of Romeo and Juliet? I was wondering if if it's an old story, but told as if present day, if you like that So basically Boz Lerman's whole fucking yeah. scene. Are you, um, are you no, not Boz? No, not the best. No. Not the best, because okay. it feels so like... <laughs> I don't know. I guess I've watched a lot of those movies before, like the version of Little Women with Katherine Hepburn. Like, there are a lot of old movies about even older times. It doesn't really trip me out so much. Yeah, I guess not. Oh, God, you've got me think. You've got me down a boz hole now. <laughs> what, what drives me wild about that stuff? It's like 
it is it's timeless like the works of shakespeare like when they're performed well is like oh that's how people talk and it's timeless in a way and so when you make it i don't know when you try to modernize it with jinko jeans it's like what are you fucking doing it was it was already pretty good that's not to say that modern adaptations of old works are bad but just these specific ones clueless is a modern adaptation of emma and i think clueless is great well, that's different. I mean, that's an adaptation. This is just a straight, it's not straight like up straight production. dialogue. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so Mimi and St. Louis was made sometime, not now, about a different <laughs> time before it. Uh, yeah. Again, not the reason that I'm talking about it this week. Yeah, um, let's get to that song. Yeah. So the song is supposed to be kind of a mournful song uh, because they are celebrating their last Christmas in St. Louis. And Judy Garland is sitting with her younger sister, Tootie, and they are looking out the window at the snowman they made that day. And Tootie is sad because she knows that they can't bring the snowman with them. Well, Tootie, to be fair those snowmen were never going to be sort of a permanent fixture of the... You understand that, right, Toots? Well, she's very young. Actually, the actress herself was not even 10 years old yet. Uh, and I think her character is supposed to be even younger. Okay. So it's not crazy that she wouldn't really have that realization. Know how snowmen work? No, I think mm-hmm. by about six, you've probably got snow lockdown and how it functions in heat <laughs> in the springtime and summertime. You know how in summertime you're playing around and uh, you're at the beach and you don't see any snowmen? Is enough to form a causal link, I think, even a, in a young, young brain. Well, this is, I mean, that doesn't mean that. This was 1944. Maybe people weren't <laughs> yeah, paying attention right. yet. They'd make big advances in refrigeration. Maybe she thought. Yeah. Science was ready to bring the snowman wherever you wanted to go. That's beautiful. And that's how the Yeti cooler got invented. How about it, science? So can you tell me about so, the song, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas? So I've always thought it was a very beautiful song, partly because Judy Garland is a beautiful singer. She does a good job with her voice. Um, and also there's uh, there's this kind of sadness to it, but um, I think it's it's largely hopeful. Too. I mean, the, the turn of phrase, Merry Little Christmas, is like speaks volumes yeah. to that, because every other Christmas song is like triumphantly praise the baby god or like let's blow this motherfucker up with holly like let's jam let's fucking jam holly in every hole of this thing and this one's like oh let's you know we're gonna get through this one yeah that's a good point uh and so interesting thing about this song uh the original version was even sadder yes uh and judy garland refused to sing it uh, she said, and I'm looking at an NPR story. She said, if I sing that little Margaret, who is the actress will cry and they'll think I'm a monster. <laughs> uh, and the people that wrote the song, uh, Hugh Martin and his writing partner, uh, were like, well, I'm sorry you don't like it, but that's the way it is. And I don't want to write a new lyric. Um, but they said, no, you, we, we've got to change it. In their defense, in the songwriter's defense, it's a fucking sad scene. Like, it's a really, really sad scene. And they, the original version really doubled down on the, like, let's just get through this thing sort of style. So much so that when you hear the old lyrics and you hear the new ones side by side, the new ones don't sound sad at all. They sound very, very happy compared yeah. to the old, extremely sad lyrics. And so I was talking to Griffin about this and he actually found Yeah, I have the, the old lyrics. Okay, lyrics. so the original lyrics that uh, Hugh Martin proposed for Have Yourself a, a Merry Little Christmas, which was originated, I don't know if we hit this hard enough, was originated by Meet Me in St. Louis. That's where it first appeared. Um, 
which pay attention to how much plot is also in the original version of the song. It's wild to think that if it had not been changed to these more upbeat lyrics, it would not be a holiday classic because it is so, yeah, so intrinsically plot plot based. And I, I really uh, believe that. Okay, so have yourself a merry little Christmas. It may be your last. Next year, we may all be living in the past. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Pop that champagne cork. Next year, we may all be living in New York. Like, can you imagine being at the (laughs) holiday party in Santa Fe? Just like, next year, we may all be living in New York. What? (laughs) Uh, No good times like the olden days. Happy golden days of yore. Okay, pretty good there. Faithful friends who were dear to us, sounds good so far, will be near to us no more. Yeah, that one's real dark, too. But uh, at least we all will be together. If the Lord allows, he might just kill one of us. (laughs) From now on, we'll have to muddle through somehow. Now, that is the most interesting line in the song. We'll come back to it. So have yourself a merry little Christmas now. From now on, we'll have to muddle through somehow is still a very, very sad lyric. Can you tell me the line that has been changed? And it got changed by Old Blue Eyes. This is the one line. Actually, I think there's maybe a couple other things that got tweaked, but this is like the major revision that when Frank Sinatra did the song a few years later, this was the big tweak. Can you tell me what line was missing that replaces uh, from now on? We'll have to muddle through somehow. Uh, I'm assuming the rhyme scheme is the same. Yep. You got this. Does he replace muddle with, oh gosh, cuddle? Cuddle? Yes, baby. The song that we all know, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, with the line, From now on, we'll have to cuddle through somehow. <laughs> that hang, sounds so crazy. Hang a shining star upon the highest pole. That's what Frank Sinatra sounds like. Just replaced it. Frank Sinatra was like, yo, you did a good job cleaning it up, desaddening it. It's still kind of a bummer. That line is still kind of a bummer. Wait, Can so you... what does he say? Sorry, I was distracted by your beautiful voice. From now, uh, hang a shining star upon the oh, highest bow. Oh, yes, of course. So that line replaces that line. So old Blue Eyes comes in and is like, "Let's." I'm going to punch That's it up good. a little bit more. And the... then that became sort of the version of the song. So much so that Judy Garland... Uh, did a re-release like Christmas album where she sang Sinatra's version. I just think this is so interesting. It went from this like sad show tune that the actors refused do you want to, to the do. Other lines that were replaced. Um, I think the other lines that were replaced in the because it's not New York anymore. You're right. You're right. Uh, I mean, I feel like people know. I don't think so. I don't the think lyrics one... to have yourself a merry little Christmas. But if not, um, how about instead of reading the lyrics of the song, I can just play some of it from Meet Me in St. Louis. Great. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. Next year, all our troubles will be out of sight. Yeah, so I. For me, that song has just always been one of my favorite Christmas songs. It's not one that you hear on the radio a lot. There's been a lot of covers of it. Sure. Uh, I guess Sam Smith did one I don't, long ago. I don't know anything about that, but okay. Um, but Judy, Judy's my fave uh, as far as that song goes, and I uh, can't get enough of it. I watch Meet Me in St. Louis every Christmas time. We haven't watched it this year, though. We have not. When are we gonna, you want to knock that out tonight, you think? Trade some prezies? 
knock it out? Yeah, I think so. I like it. All right, let's do it. Can I do my second thing? Yes. It's about the greatest Christmas gift of all time. Oh, okay. The greatest gift of all. I got when I was nine. (laughs) That's how the original song went. This is going to be sad to my parents who listen to this podcast. Can you not think of a greatest gift of all? Well, I can remember specific Christmas gifts. Yeah. I don't know that I ever had the feeling of like, this is the best Christmas ever. Yeah, sure. But I also didn't get super into video games or. or That's it. You got to be in the video games. Yeah. And speaking of. (laughs) <laughs> I want to take you all the way back to Christmas 1996. Okay. okay. Hop in my ship. Hop in my magic time shed. Beep, boop, 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 That's boop, not how the time shed works. It uses gears. It's steampunk inspired. <laughs> and you know that. Look around the time shed. Do you see any buttons? It's little brass levers. I don't know how to make lever noises. Well, try it now. <laughs> Gotta oil this thing. Hold on. Let me... <laughs> Put some WD-40 in there. All right, try it again. Oh, now that's a lever if I've ever heard one. No, don't pump it twice. It's a dinosaur, baby. Run. Take this bazooka. Uh, Okay. Okay. Now we're in Christmas 1996. It's Christmas 1996. Jingle All the Way is killing it in theaters. So is Jerry Maguire and Scream. Both reigning supreme. December I believe Backstreet Boys and NSYNC were battling it out. I don't know if that's true. On the because, music charts? Well, no, they, there was no battle to be had because the Spice Girls were on top of <laughs> all shit. Uh, I was nine years old. And the Nintendo 64 had just come out in September. It launched with just two games, but those games were Pilot Wing 64 and Super Mario 64. So what else do you fucking need? <laughs> those two diamonds what shining. What is Pilot Wing? Oh, no! Pilot Wings is great. It's like a game where you do a bunch of sort of aerial sports. So there's like a hang gliding little game and a helicopter game and a plane flying game and you do stunts and stuff. Pilot Wings also had one where you had these just super jump boots and you jumped across like a very miniaturized version of America. Can I ask you another question? I know you haven't even gotten to what you were going to say yet. Yeah. All the McElroy boys liked video games. True. How did your parents pick which boy got which present since you all were going to play it? No, we all had distinctive tastes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think we all had different... So not I mean, everybody wanted this Nintendo 64? Oh, no, we all wanted it. And it was very much a group. Like, oh, okay. This is for, this is for the good boys. Uh, <laughs> launched with two games, but a bunch more games came out in the months following. Um, and that holiday season, the Nintendo 64 was impossible to find. It was impossible to find. I think it was either 200 or 300,000 units for the whole country, which is... Oh, my gosh. Nothing. Um, and I remember... It was, like, full-blown... It's appropriate the jingle all the way was in theaters because it was full fucking Turbo Man <laughs> up in there. Uh, I remember a lot of our local, like, game stores, because, you know, I had my ear to the ground and my finger to the pulse, like, <laughs> checking the, the Vegas odds on whether or not we were going to get an N64 for Christmas. Uh, a bunch of our local shops were doing, like, lotteries for sales, it was like, it was preposterously scarce. Um, but it was all we wanted. Like, all that we wanted was a Nintendo 64. So Christmas rolled around. Christmas morning, we opened up present after present. None of the presents were Nintendo 64. <laughs> Our parents did a full-blown Christmas story. Oh, oh I gosh. think there's one more present oh, behind gosh. the entertainment center. I love the, it out. the flair for the dramatic in your house. I watch the Nintendo 64 kids viral video. You know that one where they open it up? They're like, now I don't. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's a big, it's a part of the 
cultural landscape. It's okay. just two kids opening up a Nintendo 64 and just like losing their fucking minds. And it is a, it's a big viral video. And like now it's like 20 years later, where are those kids today? And I watch that video and I think like, God, I'm glad my parents weren't filming us because it would have literally been us. We've destroyed the house. Uh, we were, we were so psyched because we had given up hope. We had essentially given up hope that we were going to get an N64. Um, but there was one caveat. And that is that it wasn't just the console that was very hard to find. The games. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, which were cartridge based, which was a big point of contention because the PlayStation, which had come out a year before, was disc based. And it was like, oh, video games have to be on discs now. And Nintendo was like, no, you think you've got this thing cracked. <laughs> it's definitely going to be cartridges. We need something for you to blow on. Yes. You just shouldn't do that. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. You introduced moisture to the contacts. Oh, okay. <laughs> what what you really are doing when you take it out and blow on it, all you're doing is just, when you take it out and put it back in, you're reseeding the contacts. It's oh those metal gosh. contacts. That's what they did. When you blow into it, you can rust it with your moisture. Your, your brain, horrible moisture. Your brain is so big. So <laughs> the games were very hard to find. They were also really expensive. The standard price of a Nintendo 64 game back then was $70. Oh my gosh. The standard MSRP on like a new AAA game that comes out these days is like 60 bucks. Uh, but some of them were $70. Most of them were $70. $70 in the mid nineties is like 150 today. It's an, it, it, yes, it's preposterously <laughs> it's expensive. Uh, Turok the dinosaur hunter was like this big, like 3D shooter. It was $80. Oh my gosh. It's, it is wild. And so my parents, they, they, they filled our dark Nintendo 64 needs, but they only found one game for us to play. And that game was Wayne Gretzky's 3D. <laughs> oh, I love this so much. <laughs> And I know you're wondering, did they buy this for us because we are particularly huge hockey fans? <laughs> no. I had, for Sega, I had NHL 96. NHL 96 was the best one. Oh, okay. Uh, is That's a good hockey game. I'd what actually was Wayne that. Gretzky's game? Was it just all Gretzky in every position? <laughs> yeah, it was just a bunch of Gretzky clones. Um, no, it was just like a 3D, okay, 3D hockey game. Where like a lot of those like early Nintendo 64 games, you play them now and it's like, yo, but you played them back then and it was like, oh, okay, this is, this, these are 3D <laughs> graphics. These we, I've never seen these before. I wish we should have brought your dad on so he could do a little director's commentary on this episode. I mean, I can explain it. We found a Nintendo 64 and it was super hard to find that. Do you there know were how literally, we found there it? were literally. There were no games available, yeah. and so we bought the only game that was available so you guys would have something to play, and it was Wayne Gretzky's 3D <laughs> Hockey, and let me tell you something, we played the fucking shit out of Wayne Gretzky's 3D <laughs> Hockey. We played it like wild. <sighs> Eventually, a couple weeks later, we found Shadows of the Empire, which was the big Star Wars shooter, uh, which was very exciting. Not like a huge game. We probably beat it like 50 times in, in the next month or so, because it was like, again, that and Wayne Gretzky's 3D Hockey were the only games that we had. I think it wasn't until like February that we actually found a copy of, of Mario, which if memory serves, we were on a wait list to rent it at Blockbuster. That is how scarce these games oh were. Um, but we got it and we checked it what out a for simpler time. a very, very, very long time. <laughs> but like all that is said, I like, I was so appreciative back then, right? It was, it was, we had given up hope that we were going to get this mythical Uber present that we were never going to get it because it was so rare and, and yeah. there were not, not that many. Um but we we're so grateful to get it, even with our one sort of weird choice of a game. <laughs> and today I am grateful because I cannot imagine the lengths that my parents went through. Oh my gosh. I am picturing your dad driving across state lines. Fighting Sinbad. <laughs> the whole way. Because um, like since we since I've gotten old enough to like do my own Christmas That's a jingle shopping, all the way reference. Yeah. Just so you all don't think the map. Well, my dad have actually a does have a long standing beef <laughs> with Sinbad. Um <laughs> 
I, since I, since we've been like doing our own Christmas presents and buying them for everybody, especially as our family's gotten larger, like I understand what a like an ordeal it can be to secure everything that people need. I don't think we do though. I think with Amazon, it's now, definitely a lot easier. Yeah. I have I've never attempted to do something like this because it's it, it's work. It's a full time job we, yeah, to find the turbo man. We've never had to drive from store to store to track something down. But I know that's what my parents did, and they yeah. did it so that we would be happy and we would have this crystalline moment of like childhood joy oh my gosh and get, yes. and, get, and like hey mission accomplished i'm talking about it on a podcast about things that i love yeah fucking 21 years later um <laughs> and that's what they hoped i'm sure they were like you know one day 20 it's years probably from now. not what they hoped but um <laughs> yeah i'm i i loved it back then and today i see it as like a story of like my parents just trying to do something very nice and very difficult for their kids. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, even though we played the most <laughs> hockey we would ever play in our entire lives during that that those few weeks with the Nintendo 64. And that explains why you love hockey so much today. Nope. Do you want to hear some uh, some submissions from folks? And why you're such a big Gretzky fan. Huge G-head. <laughs> Here's one from Erica who says, one of my favorite things about this time of year is the smell of the wreath on my parents' door. They have a storm door, so the wreath smell gets trapped between oh, the wooden door and the storm door. Great. And when I arrive home for Christmas, I always open up that outer storm door and inhale deeply that incredible wreath smell. It's wonderful. This is this is an incredible technology. You create like a little <laughs> stink pocket for that wreath to really do its thing. And then you open it up and it's like... It's like a car fresh uh, air freshener, like it's like thrown in your eyes, and I love it. My uh, my mom sends uh, all the family members wreaths every year, but we don't have that stink bubble around. No, it. we don't. But it it is. I mean, you can smell it when you get oh, to yeah, the it's, door. It's very nice. It's nice. Uh, here's one from Caitlin who says something I find wonderful as an Aussie listener is summer Christmas. Since Christmas is so tied to winter and snow, as a Southern Hemisphere dweller, I often uh, I used to feel a little left out of holiday traditions I saw on American and British TV shows. Over the years, though, I find the summery twists on holiday classics more and more delightful. Christmas Day on the beach, Santa in board shorts with zinc on his nose, summer berry pudding served cold with cream, water balloon fights on Christmas Eve, and my favorite, a guy dressed as Santa visiting my street on a fire truck instead of a sleigh and giving out lolly bags are just some of the Aussie Christmas quirks I find wonderful. I am in heaven right now. What are lolly bags? I mean, I'm assuming bags full of lollipops, but let's check in on that. Lolly bags. A lolly bag. What's a lolly bag? <laughs> Uh, it's an Australian term for speedos, which is very funny, but that's not what it is. <laughs> but that's not what it is. It's like little bags of candy, I guess. Just a little bag full of candy. That's awesome. That's very good. Thank you very much for saying this one, Anne. It is so pure. Um, here's one last one from Kimberly who says, I wanted to share a wonderful holiday tradition in my family that I just learned the name for the feast of the seven fishes. Basically it's an Italian American Christmas Eve tradition that has roots in Southern Italy. The number seven is kind of an arbitrary is kind of arbitrary. The feast ranges from three to 13 kinds of fish, including lobster, eel, smelt, clams, etc. My family pretty much limits it to pasta and clam sauce. We've always had it as a side and I never knew its history until this year. Hardcore Roman Catholics abstain from meat before Christmas so they eat a ton of fish before midnight mass on Christmas Eve. Aren't holiday traditions wonderful? As I get older, I love learning more and more about my Italian heritage, especially food-related tradition. That does sound so great. Yeah, I have never heard of this. I had never heard of it either until I looked into it after reading this submission that Kimberly sent in. And it's, yeah, it's, it's. Uh, I don't know the exact days, but there are days where uh, Roman Catholics are not supposed to eat 
um, meat with like fat oh. in it. Yeah. And so they go, they go fish wild. And I guess that this is like the most fish wild they get. <laughs> Sounds good though. Fish wild trademark Griffin McElroy. Fish wild, the outcast musical. And the next Netflix, the next Netflix original Christmas series, special. fish wild, a fish wild Christmas. <laughs> uh, no, this sounds really nice. Yeah. And very appetizing. Actually, I'm very hungry. Uh, okay. I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. If you haven't joined our Facebook group, I would recommend it. It's especially great after you listen to the podcast. If you want to share your own experiences related to our show. Yeah. It's a great place to do it. If you have like international holiday traditions or fuck it, just like whatever your holiday tradition, the, the Australian one like blew my mind and I thought it was so wonderful. Um, so yeah, share those. And I'm, I'm curious, any of your holiday traditions, I want to know all about them. Um, thank you to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to it in the episode description. Um, you want to thank Maximum Fun? I do want to thank Maximum Fun. Uh, if you are looking for other great podcasts to listen to, maybe you've got a long travel plan for the holidays, uh, I would recommend going to MaximumFun.org. There are a lot of great shows. Uh, I was listening to Pop Rocket because they did their own Hanukkah special yeah. last week, which was great. Very good. Um, I think that is going to do it for us. Again, we're not going to have an episode out next week, so enjoy the week off from hearing our voices. <laughs> yeah, well, Griffin. That was, that was a dunk on us, I guess. <laughs> Um, yeah, sorry that we're just, it's basically when you and I talk, it's just burps is a, what we get a lot of feedback we get. Not you, you have the honey dipped voice of a sweetest angel, but me, they say, I sound like a big burp man that crawled out of a sewer no, to fart into don't. a microphone. They say that on the Apple iTunes. Oh, and that's and a- it's a five star review, but they say Griffin, I love the honey dipped sweet angel voice of Rachel, but Griffin sounds like the burp man. <laughs> this is a reminder that if you don't think Griffin is the Burp Man, please review us. I mean, you can say I'm the Burp Man as long as we get those five stars. That's really all that matters. <laughs> it helps a lot. Uh, okay, that's it. Have a good holidays. Bye. 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 Oh, it's back. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. I'm Allegra Ringo. And I'm Renee Colbert. And we host a podcast called Can I Pet Your Dog? Renee, can I tell you about a dog I met this week? Uh, I wish that you would. In turn, though, can I tell you about a dog hero? May I tell you about a dog breed in a segment I like to call Mutt Minute? (laughs) I would love that. Could we maybe talk about some dog tech? Could we have some cool guests on, like Lin-Manuel Miranda, Nicole Byer, and Ann Wheaton? I mean... Yeah, absolutely. I'm in. You're on board. What do you say we uh, we do all of this and put it into a podcast? Yeah, okay. You think? <laughs> all right. Uh, should we call it like I don't know? Can I pet your dog? Sure. All right. Uh, what do you What do you say we put it on every Tuesday on Maximum Fun or on iTunes? Sounds, Sounds good to me. <laughs> Meeting's over.